0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Brooklyn Botanic Garden, a stunning 52-acre garden in the heart of Brooklyn. Open year-round. Learn more at bbg.org.
0: Hey, this is Michael Harlan Turkel from the Food Scene on Heritage Radio Network. I've been with the station for over eight years, 350 shows, and it is the most consistent thing in my life. Every Tuesday at three, I know to be here in studio, but I also get the, the privilege of meeting such amazing people, artists, artisans within the industry. I get to learn a new factoid, a, a new way of life from these wonderful people. And I hope you do too by listening and that you donate to our summer drive. Just go to heritageradionetwork.org. Slash donate and click on the beating heart, and we'd even appreciate monthly recurring donations to any show on the network. You could designate to the food scene, the speakeasy, and that many more.
1: Hi, I'm HRN's executive director, Katie Mosman Wadler, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. This week's theme is youth. We'll have a report on how migrant children separated from their families at the U.S. border are being housed and fed.
2: Right now, what we're very worried about is just the influx of kids
1: created by this zero-tolerance policy. We'll also look into a program that's ensuring free summer meals for kids are only a text message away. Summer is the hungriest time of year for a kid who may not have that safety net of school meals. We discover a new home economics curriculum.
3: I'm not trying to raise a generation of chefs. I'm trying to raise a generation of nourishers who can nourish themselves.
1: And we meet a teen chef who's talked his way into several of New York's top kitchens.
2: I never try and be, like, annoying about it, but I really want to get my foot in the door.
1: Tune in to this week's episode of Meet and 3, available at HeritageRadioNetwork.org and wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Welcome to Eating Matters, where we talk about food policy and how it impacts all of us. I'm your host, Jenna Liute, and we're broadcasting from Roberta's on Heritage Radio Network. Today, I'm so excited to have Robin Shapiro as a guest in the studio! Robin is a CEO and founder of seek food maker of cricket protein food brands seek just launched an exciting new line in partnership with some celebrity chefs as the company looks to make eating insects more mainstream in the West. And I'm so excited this recent development has brought her to the show today. Welcome to eating matters Robin. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here in the middle of a giant dance party (laughs) (laughs) that is happening in the back of the studio. It's how we roll at Roberta's. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's get right into it.
2: Um, when did you start Seek Food and why? So I started Seek um, really to solve some of the world's greatest um, global health and hunger issues um, and environmental issues. I was living in Switzerland where I was uh, working, not a not a bad place to work and, and I was next to France and Italy and mm-hmm. was frankly traveling there for professional and, and personal reasons. So I was kind of like in the food mecca of the yeah. world and it was great. I ate so amazing and I saw how connected um, people were to food and to the land and that the idea of sustainability wasn't a new thing. It was just deeply ingrained and it had always been like that mm-hmm. and that was really in contrast to what I was seeing back in America. I think in general when you sort of take yourself outside of something you can have a whole new perspective and that's how I saw sort of our food system here so I knew when I moved back because I was going to move back um, I never really mastered that French that they were speaking in Geneva <laughs> so it made it kind of tricky to, to remain there much longer but I was there for five years yeah. um, and when I moved back I knew that I wanted to do something to, um, to to work on the intersection of food and sustainability we're at a time where there's so much great um, excitement around food there's a food radio station and there's a the food radio station <laughs> we're on it <laughs> we're on it there's, there's food TV um, everything it's it's blowing up in this great way um, but problems are blowing up alongside it yep. so when I had I, I spent some time working at a rooftop farm uh, in mm-hmm. Greenpoint. I spent some time um, uh, leading a nonprofit in New York called The Low Line. And I really wanted to get closer to the food that people were eating. And I had read a report um, issued by the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization that mm-hmm. talked about just the massive potential for crickets and other, other insects. And I was hooked. It just made so much sense to me. And I um, sought out to introduce that to other people too. And so what what is the actual mission, You know, your mission statement of the company? Yeah, so our mission is to increase the consumption of cricket protein mm-hmm. um, as it's extremely nutritious extremely sustainable um, and uh, in alongside that show people how delicious and enjoyable it could be as well. Why crickets? Yeah so I mean um, of all the insects. Yeah right <laughs> um, so there are a lot of other insects out there that you can eat actually there's been recorded um, over um, 2,000 edible insects wow. have been recorded um, and uh, crickets are something that there's already growing awareness about you know if I had asked you to to name you know uh, Ten different edible insects. You know, cricket would probably be your first, and if I went and, out and my only, yeah, and if I went out to the, the, the Roberta's dance party, um, <laughs> most people would probably you know list that one as well. So we yeah. we have growing awareness about this, um, and then it's also an insect that doesn't um, kind of let's just say freak people out as much as um, some other insects. Yeah, and there's already um, there's um, uh, knowledge about how to farm insects here. Um, in in America and other places around the world it's a common actually uh, food for for different reptiles yeah. so some of those farmers were able to kind of share their knowledge to get human grade farmer uh, op- farm operations set up so there was already kind of like a knowledge yeah knowledge
3: about about this and a desire to eat it yeah um,
2: whereas a lot of those other insects that I talked about they are sort of eaten in really really traditional ways um, what are some of those insects uh, well actually one of the insects that I think is the most delicious is uh, waxworms um, they hang out in um, behind so they feed off of honey. What is my face right now? Uh, it's It's not a great <laughs> face but you know what I should say that I love podcasts and we're on the air. Um, but you don't really have the benefit of seeing the, our pro- my, our products, which are in front of you. Yeah. And I think if someone stopped you on the street and was like, "Hey, you want to, you know, eat an insect?" You'd probably be like, "No, no hard pass." But <laughs> if someone stopped you and um, you were at some sort of food event and we had our branding, and I said, yeah. "Okay, this is our cinnamon almond the crunch," and beautiful, all of these things set up, and was able to sort of present the the larger story for you, yeah, you'd probably have a different a different reaction.
3: Well, I'm gonna try some of these products on air in a in a few minutes so you can you can walk the listeners through (laughs) my facial expressions which I'm fairly emotive but you know they'll definitely get it from my I can't wait to hear what you think because this
2: is your first cricket eating experience. I'm like a
3: little nervous. I I feel honored. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited this is going to be my first experience. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna get there. But so so crickets were already kind of mainstream. What are some of these Benefits. Um, oh wait, actually, sorry. Go to go back the um, the other insect,
2: the. The one with the worm. I on mentioned the end waxworms. Waxworms, yeah. yeah. What was? What do they do? So waxworms are really interesting. They hang mm-hmm. out in honey co- uh, and in beehives, so they're kind of a nuisance to um, uh, people raising bees. But mm-hmm. they feed off of the honey. Um, they have a really—they um, don't have an exoskeleton, and they—they ha- they actually have a high fat content. And when you sort of dry roast them in a pan, mm-hmm. to me, they taste like pine nuts. So they're mm-hmm. actually so delicious. Yeah. Um, I actually read another report. Um, that waxworms are actually being studied. Someone saw the waxworms and thought there were some interesting features of them. A scientist who who had uh, bees in her backyard thought there were some interesting things and was going to bring them into the lab to, to, to test them, put them in a plastic bag to bring them in. Next thing she notices, they ate through the plastic bag. Huh. So there's so many benefits out there about insects. Could we have insects that eat plastic and are able to digest it? Well, we have a first study that that's happening with waxworms, and the answer is is yes. Now, they would have to be a lot of waxworms eating for a lot of time, but plastic is obviously a huge issue. And when we sort of look at the world of insects, there's so much that can be kind of gained from from, uh, deepening our studies of them. So So beyond just food.
3: Yeah, so, so it seems like exactly like it's the potential, just as we study this particular class of... What a, what was a class of insects? Class of
2: insects? Well, yeah, we, okay. yeah. I didn't know if that was like a. Oh, I, I don't know the the, the specific Scientific sort of. Term. Um, yeah, I don't know what sort of specific family they belong to. Yeah. But it is estimated that we've only discovered. <laughs> <Clearly> me either. <laughs> uh, that we've only discovered about a tenth of all of the insects out there. Wow. Um, even sort of entomologists who have spent their entire life dedicated to the study of insects mm-hmm. have said they feel like they've only scratched the surface and they don't know much. Which. Sure, they're being modest by saying that, right. but there's so much to learn and be gained. So, what are the specific health benefits for us when we look at like, and, and what could the cr- crickets kind of like replace
3: in our diet?
2: Yeah, so crickets have a really amazing nutritional profile. First, uh, we probably know a lot that they're, they're you know high in protein. That's mm-hmm. you know I. Uh, told you our brand is a cricket protein brand Mm -hmm. so that's the sort of main nutrient that i am highlighting they're also a complete protein which is a real rarity for a non-meat product that means they contain all the essential amino acids that we need to stay strong and healthy Mm -hmm. Um, but their nutritional profile is really kind of incredible beyond that so they're high in iron calcium fiber omega-3s, B12, uh, mm. magnesium. And, and it, you know, B12 is sort of like this wonder nutrient good for, yeah. you know, improved skin, energy levels, mood levels. It's actually so important that it just got upgraded and it's now required on the back of the standard nutritional label.
3: Oh, I did not know that. Yep. And it's also something that a lot of people are telling me that I need to, you know, start eating as a, or start consuming as a vitamin. Um, well, you're going to be consuming it in just oh my a few God. minutes. I, <laughs> <laughs> yes this is so beneficial this conversation um awesome so when we talk about like eating can you kind of just um sketch out for us uh talk through like what does it look like when you eat a cricket right so we we you know your products um I want you to be able to talk through their product line but in general if you were just going to like maybe this is a question for sort of worldwide how are they consumed um do you just get them and dry, dry roast them, or how do you? What's that? What is? How do you process crickets?
2: Yeah, well, um, I've done probably you know everything out there there is to do um, just to kind of feed my own sort of education about this. Uh, but all the crickets that we're using in our seek products, um, we work with farmers, mm-hmm. um, so the farmers are raising the crickets. Um, in a completely controlled environment. So yeah, everything is controlled from what they're fed to how they're bred. Mm -hmm. And then those farmers are um, sort of uh, milling them into sort of a fine powder that we use. It's a very sort of basic process that they go through. So essentially they sort of have about a six-week lifespan. Mm -hmm. Uh, After that, they are uh, frozen, um, which uh, puts them into sort of a a, a deep slumber, kind of a state of homeostasis. Mm -hmm. Another interesting thing about crickets is they actually don't feel pain At least that's the largest um, sort of scientific community has come to that conclusion. Hmm. They're not biologically engineered to Um, likely because of that sort of short lifespan. Um, We are biologically engineered to feel pain because it keeps us out of trouble. Imagine if uh, we didn't feel pain, sort of the extremes that we'd put us to. But they don't need to um, because they sort of uh, have such a short lifespan. Um, And then after they're frozen, um, they are um, heated. Mm -hmm. um, And I say that's sort of what really impacts the flavor of them. Um, There's... I kind of uh, g- compare it sometimes to coffee beans. Mm-hmm, yeah, Coffee bean is a coffee bean, but you can roast it in so many different ways and get all of these different flavors. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same for crickets. Mm-hmm. And then they're milled into a fine powder. Um, and then we use that powder in our different products. So it's really, really versatile. Um, uh, you know, in front of us here, we have, you know, granola and our energy bites. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about the blended flowers that we're launching. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you can really do anything with it. And are there different,
3: when we talk about like the farms in terms of far, farming them, what does that actually look like? Are they glass containers? Or is it just, you know, like like you would farm bees, obviously in a different structure. Do you walk into a facility and there are crickets all over the place? Like, what does this look like?
2: Yeah, so What's it, a farm look like? Yeah, it, it's different. So different farms but essentially you're, you're seeing sort of some big bins. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the bins are um, uh, stainless steel and some of the bins are um, plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the bins are the crickets, um, they actually like to stay close together. Hmm. Um, so there's sort of like something similar or actual egg crates, which sort of um, act as the different um, uh, sort of levels in the bins. Mm-hmm. And then they're sort of in there. And that's where they sort of, um, you know, spend their spend their time. OK, um, I actually know the hard way. I mean, I, I've always known from hearing from farmers that they like to stay together, but I kind of know the hard way, too. Oh, Uh what, what was that do you want to know yeah totally so i was um i got a shipment of crickets to my you know east village apartment for an event that was coming up and i was sort of transferring them into uh, my, my freezer was broken yeah um, so I, or, and you, and you can even if you're transferring them, you can even put them in the fridge for a little bit. Okay. And then, like, kind of chill them out. Yeah. And then it makes it easier Literally. to transfer. <laughs> exactly. So, my fridge was broken. Okay. So, I didn't have anything to cool them with. So, I needed to transfer them from sort of one container to yeah. another container. No chance to chill them out. And so, I just started kind of, you know, guiding them. And they went all over my entire apartment. <laughs> and they all grouped together. Uh, My my cat had a field day, and, like, so it made it easy to actually collect them, but I collected, like, these 100 crickets one by one. Oh, my God. And then I actually left town, and someone was staying at my apartment to cat sit, and I've never talked to her again. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, bye.
3: (laughs) Oh, no. You're like, they're totally harmless, and they're delicious. No, I never told her
2: anything. Oh, my God. I just think there might have been a couple stragglers. I thought we got them all.
3: <laughs> Maybe not though. <laughs> oh my god. What are cats for then? Is what is what I want to know. My cat probably been it would have been like whatever. <laughs> I'm bored. Okay. So, can I think it's time. I think it's time for me to experience. Yeah. One or both of these cricket products. Both. Yeah. Obviously both. I'm, you know, my first question is you know, do you really taste the cricketness? What does a cricket taste like? Right? Is it you said that the waxworms, you know, if they're toasted, taste similarly to pine nuts, which I love. So, is there something kind of comparable, or is it a very neutral, like you know, flour input once you once you create uh, process it?
2: Yeah, so our goal is to become sort of the entry level cricket eating brand. Mm-hmm. You're trying this for the first time, and so many other people are out there as well. So we, um, you know, we want to make that sort of an enjoyable, pleasurable experience, um, and something that you want to come back for again. So. Right. Um, you know, uh, you know crickets on their own, you know have a bit of a nutty, earthy flavor. Okay. And we're all about the taste with everything. Um, we're a culinary-driven brand. I'm a major foodie. Mm-hmm. I love eating delicious food. I want to share that with other people too. So that's why both of the things you're about to taste now um, are paired with nuts um, and seeds to really sort of bring out that sort of flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, what you have in your hand right now is our energy bites. Um, we have it has hemp in it. It does. I'm obsessed with it. Him. Does so yeah. So that is our coconut cashew energy bites. Okay. Um, and um, yeah. So and then yeah, uh, the crickets are adding um, uh, over fifty percent of the protein that is in there, um, and it's about ten percent cricket in that whole product.
3: Um, it looks like a great little. What are, what are they? What are they meant to? Um, it looks very familiar.
2: Well, yeah, we call it like an, an energy bite or a snack bite. I think we kind it looks of... looks like a dessert, though. Yeah, sometimes people say like, oh, you're chocolate truffles. I'm like, well, yeah. there's no chocolate in there. But <laughs> we are meant... But sure. Yeah, go, <laughs> go for it. Um, but yeah, I think we want to just really play off the senses. And we want you to have fun. I kind of, uh, you know, associated it to even like eating candy or yeah, something like that. Yeah, well, it like looks that. like a dessert and it has yeah. dates in it. There's a reason that okay. people... You Smells know, like dates, yeah. Yeah, there's it's definitely a date base in there. Here we go. <laughs> Mmm,
3: it's delicious. Mmm, I'm not, like, a food critic, though, so I'm probably... I should have led with that, but... And probably people don't want to hear me chew, but it's delicious!
2: Yeah, I mean, food should be delicious. At the end of the day... We're doing what we're doing for uh, nutritional and health benefits for people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing it for sustainability reasons. We're doing it as a solution to decrease our reliance on meat. But if it doesn't taste delicious, people won't eat it. And it doesn't matter. Yeah, people that was, won't eat it. That was
3: really delicious. That just tasted, I mean, re- really, the dates came through.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It's also, I would say, toothsome, you know, so it's going to, it seems like it would f- be filling. Yeah. Um, and, like, a really nice, like, um, sweet treat.
2: Yeah, and it's it's yeah, it's yeah, an energy bite, and there's no added sugar in there. So all the sweetness that you tasted came from the dates. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of fiber. Yep, yeah, and there's a lot of fiber in there. And, and it's great to actually receive protein in a snack form. Um, we, don't, we don't store protein, so it's something we need to replenish throughout the day. So this gives you an option to do that. All right. And, yeah, now what you're holding is our uh, cinnamon almond crunch granola. mm I am a granola connoisseur. I'm. um, So you went from not
3: being a food critic, now you're a granola connoisseur. Well, I mean, I'm a (laughs) connoisseur of two things. I was going to say I'm a creature of habit when it comes to eating. So Uh I think I've become um, quite boring in my old age, like in terms of being an adventurous eater. And I pretty much have the same thing like every day, including granola and yogurt. I really need to branch out. But that said, I've had a lot. I eat a lot. I'm the perfect customer for this granola because I eat a lot of it. Um, all right, so want to tell us a little bit more about about what's in it, about yeah. what's in this granola?
2: Yeah, so this is our cinnamon almond crunch granola, and um, yeah, it's those flavors. Um, and there's also some cinnamon in there. We use uh, Vermont maple syrup and as a sweetener, the primary sweetener. Yeah, um, and there's a little organic brown sugar in there as well. Um, I know some people are, are, you know, have asked us to, you know, take that out, but. Uh, it's, it's, delicious. <laughs> it's
3: delicious. Yeah, it is delicious. I mm.
2: mean, um, this is delicious.
3: It's got like, kind of like a, more of a powder on it. Does that have anything to do with the cricket flour?
2: Yeah. So the, that is the cricket oh. flour. Um, And then there's some cinnamon that's sort of blended in there as mm-hmm. well. Yeah,
3: it's delicious. Um, the, I taste the nuttiness. Is it our of the crickets?
2: Yeah, that's it. Um, the crickets do add this sort of subtle nutty flavor. There's sort of a deepness to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been described to almost have like even like a bit of an umami flavor to them. Yeah, yeah. And they really just kind of take the flavor to uh, another level. Um,
3: that was that was the the best like case and I feel like that was like the best cricket experience I could have had for my for my first one so well, I'm really excited about it
2: well yeah I'm, I'm happy Thank you. you had a, a, good, first a good first experience a good first experience
3: I'm going to um, take those uh, I'm going to take those with me and I'm going to finish okay. them when I'm not on air and people don't have to suffer through the sounds of me eating <laughs> <laughs> I realized that is like maybe also not the best for podcasting, but I, I couldn't wait. I had to try them when I was here. And one of the things um, about these two particular products is that, uh, you know, I'm familiar with a few other um, brands who use, uh, I would say, Cricut um, inputs. And those seem to be less like, um, I don't know, not, not like everyday foods that I would necessarily kind of come across in terms of like energy bars or whatever. They seem to be more whole, whole foods that I can kind
2: of recognize. Like, I know granola, obviously. Mm-hmm. What other products do you make? Um, well, we have sort of our granola and our energy bites. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you tried the coconut cashew energy bites. We also have honey and seeds, which is our um, only nut-free version. Mm-hmm. Um, great for sort of um, kids to take to school um, who aren't allowed to bring nuts mm-hmm. um, or are allergic, um, as well as a banana PB&J. So just sort wow. of a tried-and-true delicious flavor combination and so it's peanut butter it is um, we actually don't use peanut butter in it but we use um, peanuts peanuts okay yes essentially make make a peanut butter okay got it Mm -hmm. Um, and then we're coming out with a new line of products too Should I tell you about them? Yeah, you should tell us about them. So to continue sort of to kind of um, hold people's hands and through sort of a delightful, um, joyous, delicious way to their path to eating more crickets, Mm -hmm. um, we have a big partnership that we're going to be launching in partnership with chefs. Not one chef, two chefs, um, because that wouldn't tell the complete story, Mm -hmm. but um, dozens of chefs from around the country, even a few global ones, who are all going to be... Um, cooking with our new line of baking flours. Yeah. So one of the things that we've heard on this journey is that people want to do more with our crickets. You know, what if, you know, they don't like cinnamon almond crunch granola. Right. Um, sometimes people say, I don't like coconut. So we want yeah. them to do whatever they want to do um, and to be able to incorporate crickets into sort of the center of the plate meals as well. So we're launching baking flours. So we're going to have an all-purpose a gluten-free and a paleo-keto um, uh, blend mm-hmm. as well as the 100% pure powder which is great for um, anything with liquids such as shakes and smoothies. Wow. And all of the chefs that we're going to be working with are all cooking with our flowers, and they're contributing a recipe to a cookbook. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have sort of this beautiful design cookbook which is in the works. Um, the campaign is out on Kickstarter. Wow. And yeah, people can, you know, check out the flowers. Um, can, and be the first to, to buy the limited edition cookbooks and um, see just the amazing, you know, chef lineup and sort of their individual stories and, and reasons for supporting this.
3: Who are some of the chefs? Can you give us, uh, you know, a couple examples?
2: Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm just, you know... So like psyched and and humbled with this chef team. Yeah, I never thought when I sort of started uh, this venture some some years ago that I would be in conversations with you know this amount of sort of talented chefs. And and as a foodie myself, um, it's just amazing to be able to talk to you know some of some of your sort of heroes yeah. in the food world. Absolutely. So, um, one of the chefs that I'm psyched about is Michael Anthony um, from uh, Gramercy Tavern, mm-hmm. executive chef there for. Um, you know, over 15 years, I believe, Um, you know, James Beard award-winning chef, Michelin star chef, and, you know, advocate for natural, sustainable food. He was formerly at Stone Barns before that. Um, And we just had a really amazing conversation around it. He um, sort of, when we met in his restaurant, he sort of brought me in. I got to see the kitchen. Oh, my God. And then we sat down in uh, the private dining room there and talked for um, you know, quite some time, um, and so I was introducing him to the first time of eating crickets, and he was he was just really um, interested in a deep level. And one of the things that I said to him that that really sparked was I talked about the fact that this is part of this future food conversation, but it's actually an ancient food. You yeah. Know, crickets and other insects are really kind of some of the first food of mankind. Really? Definitely our first protein. Um, it was sort of, cr- you know, insect protein that we were able to sort of get strong on and sort of move up the chain. So Wh- where did that really, happen? Like geographically speaking? Well, all over, you know, we're, we're sort of, you know, humans were, we're first yeah. settling them. Um, and, uh, and so we're really kind of going back to the basics you could say back to the basics but by eating bugs Um, and you know as we're constantly looking to sort of solve different problems out there we um, we believe that we don't need to solve problems with the same tools that we use to um, get us into that but rather to kind of you know go back to some of the the earliest foods that we've been eating so yeah that sort of um, uh, kind of all natural um, kind of uh, approach sparked sparked to him so sorry to go on that tangent. No, no, that's But great. he, it was just, it just blew me away. Sort of speaking to him, I can't even describe it.
3: Um, that is incredible. Okay, so we're gonna take a really quick commercial break um, and hear a word from our sponsors. But when we get back, I want to talk a, just another couple minutes about the sort of evolution of eating crickets and and what that looked like historically. Um, so stay tuned.
1: This episode is brought to you by Brooklyn Botanic Garden, a stunning 52-acre garden in the heart of Brooklyn, featuring spectacular plant displays year-round. On Thursday, August 23rd, Brooklyn Botanic Garden will host the Beer and Bocce Benefit, a -a one-of-a-kind garden party featuring lawn games, live music, and unlimited beer tastings by some of Brooklyn's top beer makers. Proceeds from the Beer and Bocce Benefit provide essential support for the garden's educational and community programs. And mark your calendars for the annual Chili Pepper Festival on Saturday, September 29th. New York's hottest fall tradition will set the garden ablaze with scorching bands from around the world, dozens of fiery food artisans, and hours of chili chocolate debauchery. Learn more about Brooklyn Botanic Garden at bbg.org.
3: And we're back on Eating Matters, where today I'm speaking with uh, Robin Shapiro, who is the CEO and founder of Seek Food. All right. So when we, before the break, we were talking about a little bit about the history of um, you know the evolution of how we uh, started to eat insects, and I asked the question about geography because of, I'm sort of like where the idea originated. Because in my mind, it seems to be more of a Western concept, or sorry, sorry, the opposite. It seems to be more of an Eastern concept, and something that culturally we maybe it maybe it was like have evolved to think of, you know, to not be super select about eating insects, whereas in the rest of the world it seems to be much more common practice. So how did that kind of come to be? Do you think?
2: Yeah, so right now, um, today, um, 80% of the world's nations are eating insects as a form of their diet. So it's popular in places in Asia, um, such as China, South Korea. Um, Thailand, um, popular in, in African countries um, as well as parts of, of South and Central America. Mm-hmm. Um, Mexico is probably the, the place that's closest geographically to us that people point out having sort of an initial cricket eating experience. Chapulinas, um, uh, sort of a sort of staple um, dish there, um, is uh, grasshoppers that are sort of used in tacos um, and really even high-end restaurants are, are, are serving even their escamoles, which are essentially like an ant caviar, um, and and I should say as well, like this global perspective is also what we're bringing into our new launch too. So we have different Mexican chefs um, who are contributing Mario Hernandez from the Black Ant, mm-hmm. um, but also um, Native American chefs. So we, um, you know, are you know, as you just said, it's not really part of what we think of as sort of Western um, diets. But before we came here, there were insects um, that were consumed um, quite frequently um, on the land that we're living on today here in America. So we have an amazing um, Native American chef, um, Sean Sherman, the Sui chef, Mm -hmm. um, who is um, going to be cooking a very traditional... um, He's making a sort of masa and cricket flour uh, bison tamale. Mm. And yeah, it's delicious. We actually made it the other day and it was just incredible Um, and so I think it's important to actually talk about that conversation um, about how much insects were consumed here in America. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, in Utah, in the Salt Lake area, where there's a salt lake, mm-hmm. there is evidence of um, uh, grasshoppers that were fossilized in caves there. And what sort of, um, you know, tribes were doing was essentially using wind and then the salt water to essentially have, you know, sun-dried grasshoppers. Wow. So you had this reliable um year-round food supply, yeah. and this evidence is still there today in caves. So, like I said, this it was something that was practiced um, all around the world. Mm-hmm. And I should have um,
3: asked this at the top, um, I don't know if we touched on some of the specific environmental benefits uh, of what eating crickets and then, I mean, insects at large have on our, you know, eco- uh, environment.
2: Yeah, so Right now, um, you know, we have sort of major environmental issues stemming from the agriculture industry, specifically, you know, the meat industry. And so here with crickets, we have sort of a whole other um, protein alternative. So crickets are using significantly less land, feed, and water than traditional protein sources. They emit virtually no greenhouse gases. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, meat, as you know, one of the sort of the major contributors, more than sort of transportation in many yeah. ways. Yeah, um, And And crickets are using just sort of sort of a really even a fraction of, of feed of feed water and land.
3: What do they, what are they fed?
2: So different crickets are fed different things. The crickets that we're using and sourcing from Mexico are fed uh, alfalfa wheat. Okay. Um, and some Mexican chefs that you'll talk to will say, hey, yeah, we forage for, for crickets and, and get them to, to eat ourselves or to serve in restaurants or to sell to others. And we go to the alfalfa fields to get them. Oh. So they're fed in the farming environments, the same thing that they're eating in the wild.
3: All right. I want to talk a little bit about um, sort of the what it was like to start a company from you know startup CEO uh, perspective, and then we'll transition to a few policy questions because I just can't help myself. I mean, yeah, you know, it's a food policy show. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All
3: right. So, how, what? So, your background it sounds like initially wasn't in food. So, what was that transition like, kind of to the food industry? And were there any unexpected challenges that you came across in that tr- transition?
2: Yeah, so my background is in marketing and advertising. I um, work mostly with beauty and fashion companies. My last job in the corporate world was as a marketing director at Ralph Lauren. And um, I think one of the, you know, for many people, it's like, wait, you went from working at Ralph Lauren yeah. to obviously. serving people crickets, obviously, <laughs> right? Um, but I think there, there is sort of... Um, uh, sort of my my sort of past professional life has really helped me because, you know, beauty and fashion is largely about branding and about image. And crickets, um, much more than uh, polo shirts, need an image upgrade. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, sort of that um, that sort of past has helped me here. And I've just always loved food from, um, you know, the earliest times that I was watching my mom in the kitchen, helping her out, um, you know, cooking things with my sister, who was, you know, older than me and sort of started cooking real food before me, I've just always been fascinated. And I think when I was younger, you know, uh, we didn't have Heritage Radio and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And I didn't know all of the options out there. I didn't know you could be a food podcast host. And <laughs> It's a thing now. It's a thing. <laughs> and so I, you know, just had this always, you know you know, itch to do something in food. I'd considered going back to culinary school, um, all these different things because it was something I just wasn't able to shake. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I just, you know, took the jump. And that's when I sort of mentioned that I said, I want to do something in the world of food. I want to do something that is additive. um, And I I, want to do something that... Is is going to sort of serve you know humanity over the long term. Mm-hmm. The way I saw it, the world was moving so quickly that you know something that is relevant today is it sort of less so tomorrow. So I wanted to have something with some develop something with some lasting power so those were my three criteria mm-hmm. now people when people heard that I you know left the the sort of world of sort of fashion and advertising yeah Everyone thought I was like crazy and then I would share and people were like well what are you gonna do and so I'd share that criteria sometimes and then be like so what are you gonna do with that <laughs> yeah yeah and I was like, oh, like okay great so what does that what mean what does that mean like blank stares yeah it, very blank Stairs, and um, and I didn't know. So I just, you know, set out doing. If you don't know what you want to do, the best thing you can do is just, Try. you know, Start. grab onto anything you can. And I got myself involved in a lot of really, really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the time I spent working at the Rooftop Farm on Eagle Street Rooftop Farm with, with Annie Novak, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was like a really amazing part of my life. I Here I was, like, wearing boots, on top of this farm in Greenpoint looking to Midtown Manhattan where I was previously
0: commuting
2: every day and like it just never got old. It was like this wild experience to me. I was like chasing chickens around and like, you know, fertilizing with rabbit poop and like (laughs) harvesting arugula. Living the dream. I was. I can't even tell you. And and people were so surprised because they had known my sort of career trajectory and they're like, so are you like, running the farm and i was like no yeah you've seen it you got a great position it seems like at a
3: really major fashion company
2: yeah And I loved sticking my finger in the ground, putting a little seed in there, brushing, you know, the soil over and watering it. And I told people that's what I was doing. I was sort of being a farmer there. And and through my time working at the low line, um, you know, where I spent, you know, five years really sort of, you know, building that nonprofit organization, uh, really a whole new world kind of opened up to me. I had a lot of ideas. And, and this is the one that I really landed on. I felt like I had this kind of unspoken divide and conquer mm-hmm. uh, agreement. And if someone else was doing something that I thought was great, I was like, awesome. Like, you got that. Like, you keep yeah. doing that. This is what the world needs. Yeah. And if I saw an area that, that I truly believed in, that I felt needed to be moved forward in a different way, like, that's what I wanted to do. And I felt like... <laughs> This was your calling. What? Yeah, was was McCollin. From a business perspective, how did you get started? Though, like, are you
3: self-funded? Have you sought investment outside investment? What did that look like, and how tricky was that? in terms of like well I mean actually first question Are you did you f- found it yourself or did you seek outside investment for
2: this so um, I put an initial injection of money into the company I think it's important to have some skin in the game Yeah, um, we have also raised money from outside investors and we're doing a kickstarter <laughs> and you're doing
3: kickstarter and how besides the kickstarter I feel like kickstarter is a great opportunity to really speak to an audience who understands what you're doing and is so supportive of it um, in terms of like outside investors was your initial reaction from them a little uncertain because it was such an unfamiliar kind of, you know, thing that you're doing Um, and and culture change, right? Or or do you think that a lot of people you spoke to are really um, into it
2: from the start? You know, I had some of the most inspiring conversations ever with, you know, all of the investors out there that I met with even the ones that decided not to invest. And I think the ones that decided not to invest were not because of uh, not believing in the sort of growth in potential, but um, uh, wanting growth to happen quicker. Um, And oftentimes that was when I was speaking to funds and they have a responsibility to the investors in their fund to sort of uh, deliver um, a return in a certain amount of time. But the conversations I had were so inspiring, um, and you know we have a, a great team of investors. You know that we we built up. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk is one of our investors that um, I'm sort of very proud to, you know, have his you know support and belief and um, advisorship to, to what we're doing.
3: Um, awesome. So it seems like it was you know well received and and that must have been a really positive, encouraging feeling kind of from the beginning.
2: Uh, I mean it's challenging you yeah, know yeah, what I mean yeah, any fundraising yeah it, it, it's challenging I'm not going to tell you that it was this this easy thing I'm saying I had inspiring conversations but it you know it's it's challenging in a lot of ways you're right fundraising in, in general and and we're still uh, and we are still raising money you know outside of Kickstarter for uh, for the company as well Any plans to uh, expand to other insects in the near future? I think we've got our hands full with crickets right now on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Uh, my own sort of, you know, education and passion for learning everything that there is uh, about insects continues. Um, I oftentimes try to take trips around the world to visit different cultures that are consuming um, different insects. I took a really nice trip to um, uh, Colombia where I went to Bucaramanga, which is the Andes mountain region where they're eating hormigas culanas. Hmm. Um, And if you uh, speak Spanish... You know that hormigas culonas means big butt ants, and that's exactly what they are. Um, and they're delicious. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like popcorn. <laughs> but so, oh, I love popcorn though. I do exactly. Yeah. It's like Colombian popcorn. Um, <laughs> so what we're bringing out to the public under the Seek brand, it's it's really continuing to continue the evolution, um, education of uh crickets and 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 cricket protein
3: who all right so switching to food policy just quickly um what is the governing body in the U.S. that regulates your product so is the FDA and has that been what was that process like kind of launching you know launching this sort of a a company and getting your I mean also like
2: from a food safety perspective what is required and,
3: and what has that process looked like
2: yeah, so it, it's interesting. And, and I should say we have a really um, great um, sort of nonprofit organizing body helping to promote um, the expansion of edible insects um, called uh, Little Herds. And so they charted out a lot of the these efforts. But essentially, you know... The, the FDA, and, and sort of as an industry, we're, we're very well organized, um, we're, we're sort of talking and, and realizing that, um, you know, for one person to succeed, you know, many of us need to. Um, but essentially, the FDA sort of stance was pretty light. Um, yeah. You know, they said that the crickets need to be farmed, and they need to be intended for food, for human consumption. The kinds that you use. Yes, sort of grown and intended for human consumption, and, and that's... That's really it. Um, there's a few other things that um, different farms are doing to have certain quality certifications. Um, you know, grass certification, generally regarded as safe, um, requires cert- mm-hmm. a, a, a certain things that you're sort of following. Um, but we're, we're hyper aware and sensitive to um, all food safety issues. And, um, you know, you see outbreaks for, like, lettuce and spinach. Um, yeah. uh, I feel much more comfortable eating, uh, you know, the, the, the crickets that we, Certainly. we farm than Um, food from untrusted sources. Yep. Um, What are
3: any policy-related issues you kind of, uh, you know, foresee in the future happening with
2: your products? Well, I think that there is such tremendous... Uh, environmental benefits to be gained from increasing our consumption of crickets. Um, There'll also be an extremely affordable protein for American and, you know, people across the world to be able to have. But to really get to that scale where, you know, prices can come down, Um, you know, we do need sort of, you know, help and growth with the industry. So, um, the farm that we're working with in Mexico is actually subsidized, receiving subsidies from the Mexican government. So, I think it is really kind of important to kind of think about, like, what can you have when food subsidies go to the right place? Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to be having that anytime soon in America. But I, I, I you know, if I, if I had my way, um, we yeah. would see subsidies within the cricket farming industry.
3: Next farm bill. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I mean, that could be in, I, you know, five years because who knows when, if this farm bill is going to get passed, <laughs> I don't know. it could be this farm bill is what I'm trying to say. It could be this yeah. version. Um, okay. So last couple of questions, what is your preferred way to eat crickets is it through the you know the milling process or just grab them and freeze them and fry them like how you know your preferred method
2: you know I think it is with a lot of the recipes that I've tasted from the chefs that they're submitting Um, I love the sort of bison um, uh, tamales it's like so incredible also, a chef here locally in Brooklyn, um, T.J. Steele from Claro, he contributed these um, tortilla chips, mm-hmm. um, and they're just so good. Like, Tor- so it's it's kind of ground up in the tortilla chips. Yeah. Also, also with the masa flour there, um, and yeah, they're sort of you know delicious, super versatile. It adds sort of another depth to a traditional tortilla chip, um, but. I don't know. You can kind of make any food a little bit healthier. And I love food that um, that is a food that you're sort of eating at the table, sharing with the people that you care about the most. Um, Van Leeuwen's as well, they contributed an ice cream. Did they really? Yeah. So it's an Earl Grey cricket ice cream. And I thought that was like a really smart um, flavor pairing because of the earthiness that you get from, from tea. Yeah. Um, it sort of went really well together. And there's even like a slight like... I don't know, it feels like almost like a little purpley, um, you know, beigey color that is just really pretty in the ice cream too.
3: Ah. Well, we eat with our eyes, also. Yeah. And so I, that's really, really important. All right, where can um, where can our listeners go to, a, learn more about um, you know the work that you're doing at the company, and b, most importantly, find your products.
2: Yeah. Well, the first place people can go is Kickstarter. If they just search for Seek Food, um, we will uh, pop right up there. Um, they can also find us at our website, which is Seek. Dash food.com and on the Instagram uh, at Seat Food. Um, and those are the same handles for Facebook and Twitter. Awesome.
3: Well, Robin, thank you so much for joining me in the studio today.
2: Yeah. Let's go party now. <laughs>
3: go. We're going to go party. Bye. <laughs> um, all right. Before, before we go outside, I want to give a big thanks to our sponsors, their generous support, as well as our engineer, the one and only Matt Patterson. Show music is by the very talented Tim Archer. All episodes of Eating Matters are available on the Heritage Radio Network website or as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. If you haven't done so already please subscribe and leave us a comment let us know what you think i'm generally Ute and thank you for listening
2: thanks for listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter